0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church weekly podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. We've been in a series called The Blessed Life for about the last four or five weeks. Really the, the motivation of this series is for everybody in our church To grab a hold of God's plan and God's desire to bless his children. That everyone in our church would grab a hold of. Man, that's what God wants from me. How many of you know? Man, God delights in the prosperity of his children. He doesn't delight in your in you being broke and you being struggled, struggle through life. He delights in seeing you blessed. He delights in that. And so we want everyone in the church to grab hold of that. We want everyone in the church to get to experience the joy of being a giver. The Bible tells us it's better to give than to receive. It's, it's better to give. So if we, But if we say, you know what, I, I don't like the whole giving thing, then we miss out on the better thing that God wants to do in our lives. We get to miss out on the joy of giving. In the book, if you read it, that was one of the things that I liked the most about the book, The Blessed Life, was all the testimonies of just you know whether it be the author Robert Morris or somebody else all it was testimony after testimony of you know hearing God and obeying giving something big giving something substantial and then watching the miracle the miracle hand of God on display in their life after that and there's just man being a giver it's this it's this adventure this journey with God and seeing God be faithful and seeing God's hand at work in your life. You know, I believe there's many Christians that will not experience the miracle working power of God as they could because they don't participate in giving. They won't participate in being a sacrificial giver, a spirit-led giver. And so they forfeit seeing all the, all the things that the Lord would want to do in their lives. Miracle, you know, the, the, the hand of God in their finances, things that don't make sense, testimonies like that. But I do know in this church that there are plenty of people that do have testimonies like that. And you have experienced that and you have seen that for yourself. And, and, and you've seen how God has always made a way where it seems impossible and where it doesn't make sense, but God makes a way in that, in that way. So... Man, I just once again, I know we're this week and next week we'll be in the series, but still, hey, grab the book. Really, the testimonies. Normally I'm not the kind of guy to be like, like rarely have I said this. Man, I couldn't put that book down. <laughs> like, I read, okay, I do read, and I reading is good. I know what's good for me. I do try to discipline myself to read. However, I'm not sure I've ever said, man, I couldn't put that book down. But Really, this one I I I couldn't put that book down. All the testimonies in there, and just the stories I was it made. I'm tearing up reading it. I was like I I want to see more of this in my life, and uh, it stirs your faith to begin to 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 participate in what God would have uh, as as you become a, a giver, and you grow in in that. So we've covered a lot of topics. In this series, last week, Pastor Luke spoke on the number one thing that will prevent you from serving the Lord, and that thing is mammon. Jesus tells us that you cannot serve both God and mammon, that you will love one and hate the other. So what's mammon? Mammon is possession and wealth. comes from the Babylonian Empire. It was their god of money. If you read the book, The blessed life, and he talks about our Morris talks about how Mammon is the spirit that rests on money. Mammon loves to compete with God. Mammon wants your worship. Mammon wants Mammon tries to make you promises that really only God can give you. Mammon tries to promise you security. Wealth and possessions try to promise you safety. Wealth and possessions try to promise you joy, but where can we get those things only? From the Lord, right? Only God can give you joy, true joy. Only God can give you protection. Only God can bring security and safety in your life. But mammon competes with God. And, you know, a lot of Christians try to play this game where they kind of love possessions, but they also want to love God. But Jesus tells us that that will not work. Jesus says that, that one will have your worship and the other one you will hate. That mammon and God are after your love and affection and worship. And you will love one, and you will hate the other. And so guarding our hearts and making sure that where your treasure is, your heart is, right? So as you begin to put your treasure towards the things of God, as you begin to give God your treasure, as you start to seek first the kingdom of God with your treasure, then lead your heart to keep your heart in love with the Lord. Keep your heart in his, in his love. So if you missed that message, uh, check that out. And really, in the, of course, in the book, there's a chapter on Mammon, a great, great chapter, and read that. All these messages have been, you know, based to some degree off of chapters from the book there. But before I, I, um, I get into the message this morning, I just want to reiterate, re-announce uh, something Pastor Luke had announced last week, and that is that next Sunday the 20th, we'll have a year-end special offering. And so this is, this is here's how I like to look at it, right? At this time of year, we start making plans for all the different people we get gifts for, right? Uncle Joe is going to get uh, those socks with like the sticky things on the bottom. And Aunt Susie, we're going to give her, you know, the a card game Uno. Like, you know, everyone already has that already. Stuff that people, you know. We start planning out the gifts we give people. What if we like planned out, I want to I want to bless the Lord this season. I want to give the Lord a gift to to show him that I love him. To be an act of worship. So... So we, you know, Pastor Luke asked us as a church between now and next week, ask God, you know, seek the Lord, pray. What does it look like for me and my family to truly give something that honors God in this season at the end of this year, to, to, to bless him, to, to just show our love for him, that everything comes from him. And we just wanna re- just remind ourselves and give God a, a gift in this, in this season. So that is next Sunday. I don't wanna to forget to mention that. But today I want to speak on um, a topic, really all based off of one parable. And in the past year and a half, two years of my life, this parable and the, and the principle within that parable, as I've got revelation on that and received insight on that, it really has changed how I see everything. It has changed the lens in which I see so much of my life and, and so, so much so this, I believe, will help you. I believe that this will be a blessing to you. And, and I want to talk about the number one principle to increase, the biblical principle to seeing increase in your life. So maybe you're here and you would say, hey, I've been a giver. I've, I've given and I've, I've been generous, but I, I feel like I haven't seen increase and I haven't seen God's blessing on my life and on my finances. And maybe it's because you have never been taught this biblical principle of increase. Maybe you have never learned about this. And the principle I want to speak on today is stewardship. Stewardship is the key to increase in your life. So what is, what is stewardship? I tried to get the most basic uh, definition of stewardship and, and this is the basic definition of stewardship. Stewardship. Managing the resources of another. Managing the resources of another. So I tried to think of an example of stewardship, and I was like, ah, I should come up with a great example of someone. And the only one I could think of was a bad example. So I was gonna talk about Bernie Madoff for a minute. You guys know who Bernie Madoff is? Uh, most people know that name. If you don't know who Bernie Madoff is, here goes. So Bernard Madoff got to be proper here, Bernard Madoff was a big time hedge fund manager in the 90s and the 2000s. And he was entrusted with, he had $58 billion in assets that he was managing of other people's money. So he was a steward, right? He was managing the resources of somebody else. So $58 billion is what he had been given. And he, everyone thought he was a genius. Everyone loved this guy. Because he was getting great returns in the market. He was getting like 30% returns on people's money. So everyone thought this guy was a genius. People were waiting in line to give this guy their money. And, you know, because they think this guy's killing it. Well, it turns out he wasn't making any money at all. Most of you know. Uh, he wasn't investing anything. He wasn't getting any returns. All he was doing is receiving people's money, and burying it in a bank account. He wasn't investing it. He wasn't getting returns on it. He was just trying to keep it safe. And then the next person would come. He'd dump their money in the bank. And then when someone was going to leave his, his firm, he would just give them their money plus 30% of someone else's money, and voila, you got 30% returns. And you know, people you know, were, were, like I said, lining up to give this guy their money, but eventually people started to find out what was really happening. And uh, he ends up, you know, his whole empire collapses. He goes to jail. At the end, you know, the last two people, the last group of people to retrieve their money got nothing. It was all gone (laughs) by the end there. And so he ends up in jail. All his money is gone. And as you could probably guess, no one ever entrusted to him another nickel uh, after that point forward. I believe the guy, you know, died in prison. So this guy was a steward. He was supposed to be managing the resources of another. He lost it all because he was a bad steward of people's money. So if you wanna turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25, we're gonna read a familiar parable to many of you. This is like the foremost you know scripture in the Bible about stewardship, but I have, like I said earlier, In the last two years, year and a half, I feel like I've just the revelation I've got from this parable has shifted and changed how I see so much in my life. Matthew 25, let's read through it and then we'll go back through line by line. Start in verse 14. Says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you've given me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you did not plant, gathering crops you did not cultivate, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money bag. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I did not plant, and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servants, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver, to those who use well. What they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away from them. All right, we'll go back line by line, but first let's just pray. Um, let's invite the, the Lord to speak to us. You know, I was speaking to someone earlier this week, and what he said to me was, was so good. He just said, he said, Hey, you know, recently in the last few months, I just, I, I, he said, Every time I come to church, he acknowledges, that that's the word the Holy Spirit has for him. I know that's very simple, and that's very like, well, of course. But what if every single time he came to church, doesn't matter what the topic is, doesn't matter who the person is, t- today, this is the word the Holy Spirit has for me today. This is my portion. This is what the, the Lord wants to, to, to show me and to speak to me. So let, let's just pray, and let's just invite the Lord uh, to speak to us. This is This is what he has for us this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that... God, your word always produces in us what it is supposed to produce in our lives. God, I thank you that we would have childlike faith as we approach your word, God. I pray that we would, we would have a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we come to your word, Father, that everything you wanna show us this morning, we would hear. Everything you wanna to, to, to reveal to us, God, we would see this morning. Father, may we leave different than we walked in this place, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So we're talking about stewardship. What is stewardship? It's managing the resources of another. What does stewardship do? What does good stewardship do in your life? Good stewardship is the key to increase in your life. So we just read this parable of the three servants, or the parable of the talents, and let's just uh, let's just get clarity on what this is talking about. Talks about a master, right? Who's the master? Jesus is the master, okay? So he's the master, and then it talks about him going on a long trip and returning from that long trip. What does that represent? Jesus ascends to heaven, and he's soon going to return, as we spoke about earlier. He's coming back. There are servants in the story. Who are the servants? We are, you and I. We are the servants that he has entrusted treasure. To. What is treasured? It's, it's a lot of things. It's, I'd say, number one, it's the, it's the good news of the gospel. It's, it's the, all the resources he's given us. It's, it's the family we have. It's the job we have. It's, it's, it's everything that God has put in our care. So that's kind of just uh, to give us a little structure to what we're reading about here. So, so I'm going to read verse 14 again real quick. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated By the story of a man going on a long trip, he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So, I have some points this morning. I have a few points on keys to good stewardship. And number one point in our keys to good stewardship is that stewardship is not ownership. Stewardship is not ownership. Whose bags of silver were they? The master's bags of silver. They didn't belong to the servants. For us, in our lives, everything that we have, everything that's placed in our hands is not mine, it's the master's, right? It all belongs to the Lord. We, we spoke about this in the Book of Acts series, but I wanna read, we read this in that series, but in Psalm 24, verse one, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. It's all his, Did you know the word Lord in the Greek very literally means owner? So every time you say Lord, every time you declare him as Lord, every time you pray and you say Lord, every time you worship and you say Lord, you're acknowledging he's the owner of everything, right? He is the owner of it all. It's all his, the earth, all the people, all the stuff, it's all God's. The car you drove to church in this morning is made out of God's metal. The house that you, you live in is built out of God's trees, right? The, the food that you and I enjoy is made from God's animals and plants and whatever wherever else food comes from. I'm not really sure. Um, the clothes you're wearing, the clothes on your back are made out of God's cottons, cotton trees. I don't really know. Um, polyester trees or spandex trees or some kind of a, I don't know where that stuff comes from. But you get the point. Every, okay, you get the point. Hopefully, you get the point. Everything is God's. Stewardship is not ownership. Stewardship is managing the resources of another. See, when we were younger, we, we got this. We understood this. At least when I was younger, I understood I had nothing because I had nothing. When you're a teenager, like, I don't have anything. When I was 16 and I got my driver's license and I was handed the keys to the, you know, the SUV, I was made very clear to me, that was not my car, right? So when you're a teenager, you're aware, that's not mine. The car's not mine. The house I live in, it's not mine. My parents. You know, the, maybe you got an allowance as a kid. Even that, you knew, eh, it's from my parents. I didn't earn this, you know? So... We understood this. We got this when we were younger, maybe. But as we get older, what happens? All of a sudden, you get a paycheck with your name on it. All of a sudden, you have a title with your name on it. And we start to believe that we're the owners of things. We start to believe. And it's a huge mistake to think that because because you have the password to the account, that it's yours. Because you have the keys to the front door that it's yours. Because you drive it to work every day, it's yours. No, it's not yours, right? It's just the resource from heaven that you're supposed to steward well for this brief time we're on this earth, right? Good stewardship understands it's not ownership. A good steward knows all of it's his, none of it's mine. Amen? So point one to being a good steward, understanding that stewardship is not ownership. Let's read verse 15. It says, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. So the second point in being a good steward is this. We have been entrusted treasure from God. We have been entrusted with treasure from heaven, and we need to understand that. Like, if you hear one thing this morning, please hear this, you have been deposited treasure from God. You have been entrusted with treasure from God. Maybe you say, "Uh, I don't know about that, John. Like, I, I don't know about treasure, that's a big word. No, each and every one of us, right, in this, in this parable, how, how many servants got treasure? All of them, right? There were three servants there. All three of them got treasure. We have been deposited treasure from heaven. But if you don't believe that, if you write it off and say, no, John, not treasure. No, I have not been given treasure. Here's what that leads to. That leads to you being a poor steward because you don't think you have treasure. It leads you to believing or you're not faithful because you don't think you have treasure. And then it ends up that you have no increase in your life and nothing is growing in your life because you're a bad steward. So everything that, that we have, we have treasure from heaven. And if each and every one of us has been entrusted with treasure from heaven, that means that each and every one of us has an opportunity to be a good steward and enjoy the reward of being a good steward. Every single one of us has the chance to steward well, whether it's five, whether it's two, whether it's one, you've been given treasure and it's absolutely a necessity that we get that on the inside of us. I have treasure. Say, I have treasure. I have have been entrusted with treasure from heaven. That job you have is treasure that's been entrusted to you by God. No, John, John, not my job. My job is the most burdensome, boring, terrible job that anyone could ever have. Okay, see, if you begin to think that way, if you start to think, no, it's not treasure from heaven, what happens? You're a terrible steward, you're not faithful with anything, and you never get to see increase in your life. You know, well, my, my boss, my, I can't stand my boss, he doesn't like me and I've never been promoted, and I'm still making the same money I did five years ago. Hold on a second. Maybe you're a terrible steward at your job, and that's why you're not seeing increase. Stop blaming your boss. Stop blaming that you, know, you don't get enough money. Maybe if you stewarded well, and you began to see this job I have is treasure from heaven, all of a sudden, you begin to be faithful with it and watch God increase that, amen. The money you have in your bank account is treasure from heaven yeah, but it's tiny, John. I mean, it's like, I got like like 800 bucks in there. I can barely pay my rent on that. If I had what that person had, if I had that much money, you, you could call that treasure. What I have, that is not treasure. Once again, if you believe that, if you don't see what you have as treasure from heaven, you don't steward anything well, you're not faithful with anything, and there's no increase in your life. Stop wishing you had what that guy had. Say, I want to steward... Maybe the fact that it's small is because you've been a bad steward with it. Maybe the fact that it's not as big as someone else's is because you haven't stewarded well, you know, what God has placed in that account or what God has placed in your lap. The giftings, the abilities, the talents that the Lord has deposited in you, that is treasure from heaven. But, John, it, I, I'm. I i would not say I'm talented. I don't. I don't have talents. That that person, that girl, that guy, they have talents. Me, I mean, I don't think that I have any giftings. That's a lie from the enemy. See, if you believe that, if you don't understand, I have been entrusted with treasure, those things that God has gifted you with, then you don't. You, you're not a good steward. You're not faithful with anything, and there's no increase in your life. We have to get it deep down inside of us. God has put treasure in my hand and I want to steward well what he's given me and and I want to see increase on that. We can all be good stewards because we all have treasure. Write this down. These are three things you can do with treasure that God entrusts to you. You have three options. Everyone in this room, you have three options of what you can do with the treasure God entrusts to you. Number one, You can build God's kingdom. You can build God's kingdom. That's the first thing you can do with with the treasure he entrusts to you. The second thing you can do is build your own kingdom with the treasure God entrusts to you. And the third thing is you can disregard it completely. Three options of what you can do with the treasure God gives you. Build his kingdom, build your own kingdom, or disregard it completely. Everyone in this room, you fit into one of those three categories. With the treasure you have, you, that you are. You're either building God's kingdom, you, you're building your own kingdom, or you're just disregarding it completely. So, so a key to being a good steward is I have been entrusted with treasure from heaven, and I want to build God's kingdom with it. Let's keep reading in verse 16, Matthew 25, 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and it hid his master's money. So three servants receive treasure, but they're different amounts, right? The first one gets five. The next one gets two, and the last one gets one. You're, you're not accountable for what you don't have. Do you hear me? You're not accountable for what you don't have. So maybe, as I was speaking earlier, and you know, this guy's got a ton of money, and I don't have much money. Okay, well, you're not accountable for what that guy has, but you are accountable for what you do have, right? So if you got a thousand bucks in a bank account, you're accountable for that. You know, the the servant that got one bag wasn't accountable to, to rightly handle five bags. He was accountable to handle the one bag, right? So here's what I think happened with the last servant. And to some degree, I guess this is my speculation, but this is what I really believe happened to the last servant. The master lined the three servants up, started going down the line, giving bags of silver to them all. The first one gets five. Next one gets two. Then the last servant, he gets one. And maybe he's like, are you kidding me? Greg got five. Steve, really, of all people, Steve got two. That guy's a a knucklehead. He got two, and I get one. I get one measly bag. I think he, he saw what the other two had. and said, man, I didn't get anything great. They got great stuff. They got five. They got two. I got one. And I believe he started to disregard the treasure that he was given because it wasn't as much as what someone else had. He began to just, you know, maybe he was hurt. He was offended. He was like, you know what? If I had five bags, then I could probably do something significant. But this one bag, this is insulting. I get one bag of treasure. They all had treasure, right? You know, if your translation says talent, if you, if you look up what a talent, the amount of a talent, I looked it up. The smallest sum I could find when everyone has a little bit of a different take on what a talent was, the smallest I could find was that it was ten years' wage, a decade of hard work is that that was the value of a talent. So they all had great treasure. one had five, one had two, one had one, it was all treasure. But because the last servant saw what the others had and said, "I don't have that," he disregarded it, he buried it and just didn't you know didn't even think that it was anything worth doing with. Some of you need to stop wishing you had what the other guy next to you has in their hand and you need to get busy with what God's put in your own hands. Amen? You think, man, if I, if I had that person's talents, if I had that person's bank account, then I could really do something special no, you're not, you're not accountable for that, but what you have in your hand is treasure that God has given to you to be a good steward of and to multiply and watch God bless that. Stop wishing, people waste years of their lives saying, man, I wish I had what he had. It's a waste, it's a waste of time. Forget that. Focus on what God has given you because you get a chance to steward that well. You get a chance to be rewarded with stewarding that well. If you spend your whole life obsessed with, I wish I had what that person had, I wish I had the abilities they had, I wish I had the family and the marriage that that guy had, I wish I had the talents and the abilities that guy had, you waste your life instead of being fruitful and multiplying with what the Lord has given you. We have been entrusted with treasure from heaven. Verse 19. It says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. We'll pause there for a moment. But it's important for us to know that for each and every one of us, there will come a time where we all have to give an account to the Lord as to how we used the things he entrusted to our care. Every one of us give an account for how we used the, the gospel. Give an account for how we used the money, the resources, the opportunities, the abilities that he has placed in our hands. We have to give an account, and hopefully, we get to be in the category of the first two that get to say, Master, look what I did. I, I've taken what you've given me, and I've, I've made much of it. I've grown it. I've multiplied it. Let's celebrate. Hopefully, that, that, that's what we experience, not that, uh, well, God, I, I, I maintained this and I kept it the same. Here, here's your money back. No, we don't want to be like the last servant. We want to be like the first two servants. Let's keep reading in verse 20. It says, The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So stewardship is managing the resources of another. Good stewardship leads to increase in our life. And we've had... A few points on good stewardship. Point one was stewardship's not ownership. Point two was we have been entrusted treasure. And point three is good stewards multiply. Good stewards multiply. The Bible tells us that for the first two servants, they began investing what the Lord had entrusted to them. I don't know if you know much about investing. Uh, About two years ago, I knew nothing about investing. Uh, but uh, there's a, a group of guys within the church and uh, Clay Spurlock has helped a lot of us out with learning what investing is and knowing, I mean, I literally knew nothing about investing about two years ago and, and he's, he's taught us a lot. But to simplify what investing is, and I'm sure you know this, but investing basically is taking resources, taking money that you have, putting it somewhere else, giving it to somebody else, in, in the expectation that it grows over time and is, you know, you get good returns on putting that money to work somewhere, right? So, investing, you're not, you're not, you can't invest yet also keep it in your bank account, right? To invest means you, you put it somewhere. So, that, that's investing. And the, a good investor is always looking for the best way to grow their money right? Like, like someone like Clay Spurlock. He spends hours and hours and reads documents after documents because he wants to know the best place to put his money. He's not just putting on a blindfold and clicking random companies to put his money into, right? That would be a poor steward. <laughs> um, just like a farmer, right? A farmer, they're very intentional about where they plant seed. They're not just like putting on a blindfold and just like, throwing it all over the place and hoping that something works out. No, they're or intentional about where they put their money. And just a brief note for us that we need to be very intentional about what we do with our money because stewardship, good stewardship leads to increase. And I'm not trying to give you financial advice necessarily on how to do stuff with your money, but you should be intentional about what happens with your money. It doesn't just like, you know, people talk about that. They're like, I don't even know where my money went. Are you a bad steward then? If you you know check into your bank account, and like whoa man, I spent a lot this month. Uh, you're not going to see increase because you're you know people. I wonder if it's you know sometimes it's as simple as you're just a bad steward of your money. It's not that God doesn't love you <laughs> or God doesn't like you. It's that you're just a poor steward of things, and you should be intentional about seeing that money grow. You should be intentional about even when you give money that you're giving to see the greatest impact in the kingdom you're giving to be the greatest, you know, have the greatest number of souls that are saved. Pastor Luke hit on that last week that we can attach our giving to souls. We should attach our giving to the kingdom of God. But even within that we're intentional, right? We're intentional that it doesn't just like hey every every time every ministry on the face of the earth I just give them 20 bucks, 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. I heard a minister one time say that of course outside the tithe because the tithe what belongs to God, the tithe goes into the storehouse, which is the local church. But outside of the tithe, I heard a minister one time say, "He does not give unless the Holy Spirit leads him to give." And that helped me a lot. Right? Instead of like, "Oh, well, I got a I got a letter in the mail about this thing," and I heard this advertisement, and they need money, and this political party needs this, and and you know this campaign needs this, and this radio station needs that, and this right like we can get so. Don't give, of course, on top, you know, outside of the tithe. Don't give unless the Holy Spirit instructs you or leads you to give. Because even sometimes in our giving, we're bad stewards. You, you, you call it being generous. What if God calls it being a bad steward? 20 bucks here, 50 bucks here, 100 bucks there. I don't know. I just, you know, the good, the, these, these servants, they didn't just like take the master's money and start like, handing it out all over the place. They were intentional and invested that money in the greatest place to see return. Let's read this. It says, as we just read in 20 through 23, um, when the servants, when those good servants got, they, they, they multiply what God gave them. Here's what he says about them. He says, well done, my good and faithful servants. Well done, my good and faithful servants. This is a well-known line in the Bible, everyone loves that line in the Bible. I love that line in the Bible, right? We want to hear those words spoken of us when we come face to face with God, right? We, you know, that, that's a that's a powerful statement there, but let's look into it. Let's let's dive in a little bit. So that's how Jesus defines the two good servants. Those are those that's the way he defines them. They are good, they are faithful. So they're they're faithful servants. For a moment here. Think, think about this. How would you define faithful? How would you define faithful? What words come to mind? Think it through right now. What Would you think uh, loyal? Would you, what would you think? Uh, trustworthy? What would you think? Dependable? Think about it. What does, what does faithful mean to you? Think about the definition. I think that what I just said is probably what most people would say faithful means. But what do we know about these two servants? Like, what facts do we have about what they did? We don't actually have that much. We have that they were given treasure, they invested it, and they, they doubled it. We don't have any accounts of them being very, you know, they're always on time the meetings and they're, they're very, you know, loyal and they're very trustworthy and dependable. All we know is that they doubled what the Lord gave them so so it sounds like the way that jesus would define faithfulness is multiplying what he gives you maybe it's not because think about it all right the wicked's the wicked servant we could probably make a case that you could define him as faithful did he lose it no he's dependable he maintained it you know, he, he gave it right back to the master said, here it is, it's still shiny, it's, everything's right as you gave it to me. So you can almost make the case that he was dependable, he was, he was loyal, he gave it back to him, but how does the Lord define that servant? He's not faithful, right? He's defined as wicked and lazy. See, we've bought the lie that maintaining something means you're faithful with it. But that's not what faithfulness means, according to Jesus. Faithfulness, according to Jesus, is he took what I gave him and he multiplied it. And that's what faithfulness looks like in the kingdom of God. So we need to stop buying this lie that, hey, I mean, I'm always on time. You know, I show up and uh, that's not faithfulness. If, you know, if your, if your financial state hasn't changed in 10 years, you're not faithful. You're lazy and you're wicked. It's what Jesus says, not me. It's what Jesus says. If, if, the, if the giftings and the talents and the abilities that God has deposited in your life, if they have not grown, they have not increased, they have not grown in impact in the last 10 years, you are not faithful, you are a wicked, lazy servant. The things that God has put in your hand, the job you work at, all those things, if, they, if, they're, if, if they're not growing... That wouldn't be considered faithfulness to, to the Lord. May, don't buy the lie that maintenance is faithfulness. It's not. Growth is faithfulness. That's how Jesus would define it. Jesus says that you were faithful with little. Now I will make you ruler over much. So we need to prove to the Lord that we're faithful with what he puts in our hand. That's the key to increase. Good stewardship is the key to increase in every area of your life. So we've been talking about the tithe. I just, when I, read, when I read that, you know, you've been faithful with this little amount, now I'll make you ruler over much. I thought about the tithe. I think there's, there's some Christians that can't be faithful with 10%. They can't be faithful with tithing every month, and then they expect God to bless them and, and to grow them, and they get, you know, more responsibilities and more money. no. You're proving to God, if you can't be faithful with a tithe, you're proving to God, hey, I don't deserve anything more. You're proving to God, I I really don't, I'm not eligible for anything else because I can't be faithful with 10, it's really not that big of a percentage, right guys? If I can't be faithful with 10%, I will never be ruler over anything more. You've been faithful with this little amount, now you'll be ruler over much. Let's read 24. Then the servant with the one bag came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. So what was the issue with this servant, this last servant? What, what was the root of him not wanting to, to grow it, not doing anything with that money he was given, the root of it was this. We just read it. The root of it was, I knew you were a harsh man. His issue was he did not know the character and the nature of his master, and that's what led to him not being a good steward with what God gave him, right? So, so we've, we've had three points of good stewardship. Stewardship is not ownership. You have been given treasure. Good stewards multiply. And lastly, good stewards know their master. The first two servants, they knew their master. They knew his nature. They knew his character. But the last one knew him as a hard man. You know, he, he was convinced that, you know, well, because I got one, he must not like me. And he must not care about my well-being. And he must not care about me. And he just wants to see me struggle he loves giving other people stuff, but I never get anything. I have the least amount. He, he, he thought that he was a hard master. He was, for, for, maybe for us, we've struggled. Maybe you've struggled with stewardship because you don't know the character and the nature of your master. You need to know that, as we said earlier, he delights in the prosperity His children, he doesn't want to see you struggle, he doesn't want to see you poor and broke all the days of your life. He wants, he's for you, he's not against you. He wants to see you be blessed, he wants to see you and your family rise. So, without a revelation of God's goodness, he's a hard master. But once you get that revelation of his goodness, all of a sudden, you understand what a good master I have. What a good master I have. Like Moses, maybe this morning, you need, a, you need to have a revelation of God's goodness. You need to let his goodness pass before you and see that he's, my God's for me. He's not against me. My God loves me. My God, he loves me so much. He wants to bless me. He's not looking to curse me. He's looking to lift me up. He's looking to support me. He's looking to pour out his favor and his blessing on me and my family. You need a revelation of God's goodness in your life. And lastly, verse 28. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance But from those who do nothing, even little, what little they have will be taken away. So we see there, good stewardship is the key to increase in every area of your life. You wanna see increase in your finances, be a good steward. You you wanna see increase on the giftings and the abilities and the opportunities and the roles, whatever, be a good steward. You wanna see your marriage grow, your family grow. Whatever you wanna see grow, stewardship is the key to seeing that. And I love how it says, those that use well what they've been given. You are to use well what's placed in your hand, church. Everything that God has deposited, the treasure he's given you, if you use it well, more will be added unto you. You know, if you don't like it when the people that have more get more, the people that have little get little. If you don't like that, you don't like Jesus. That's that. Was, that's, that was his idea, right? That's how this thing works. That if someone's a good sir, a good steward, they get more. Even more is added unto them. But if you if you just disregard and you you're a poor steward, even the little you have is taken away from you. How I many you know God's not a socialist? Amen. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.